that rooftop solar is going to grow quickly in 2015 and even faster in 2016 as we get closer to the tax credit cliff when the 30% investment tax credit goes away. So uh, um, 2015 and 2016 is the time to buy solar because in 2017, the prices are going to go up by 30%. So um, as, as we get into 2015, here are my 10 predictions for what I think is going to happen in the solar industry. And um, this is just kind of a lot of these are wild shot in the dark, but they're based a lot on uh, some industry developments that I see happening down at the foundations. So first, number one, um, here's kind of a wild one, but I think Solar City is going to buy a module electronics company. Now, Solar City is the biggest residential installer. They've got a national scale. They're they're just kind of hitting it out of the park as far as deploying solar on rooftops. And they um, they purchased uh, for about $150 million last year a company that makes solar panels. It's based in um, in uh, Buffalo, New York. So they, they're making panels in the U.S., which is great. Um, and they're going to find that they're going to need the electronics that, that are, are trending to go behind the panels, and they're going to want to have control of that. These module electronics are either microinverters, and I've been a big fan of microinverters um, since they came out, or optimizers. And SolarCity's uh, proven that they're not really shy in using their stock to buy products and technology that's going to help them scale, and also buy products and technology that's going to slow down their competition. As I mentioned, they've, uh, they're building uh, what they call a giga solar panel factory in Buffalo, and um, that, that's being ramped up uh, from a pilot plant that was operating in China, and it's a greenfield operation, so they've got a lot of work to do. But they expect it to get up and running in 2016, probably getting up to the scale they expect in 2017 or 2018. And by then... Solar panels are not going to be the ordinary solar panels. They're going to be, um, they're going to look the same, probably going to be 60 cells. They're going to be the same dimensions. The output's going to be a little bit higher, but they're all going to be smart panels. They're all going to have electronics on the back. And when, when you're making panels like that, it's very important to have control of both the hardware and the software that goes into these panels. And, and that importance is going to increase because the other development that's happening in the solar industry it, it is related to the energy storage industry. And we're going to see a lot of homeowners and businesses starting to put battery storage systems in. And once again, having that, that technology connection between the hardware, the software, the solar, and the storage is going to be important. So anyway, that's my prediction. They're going to uh, um, get more active on the module electronics side. They've been already pretty active on the software side. Second prediction, and this also relates to the way the U.S. market's developing and uh, uh, the greater emphasis that's been placed on made in the USA panels, um, the uh, the second the the biggest current manufacturer uh, U.S. based manufacturer of residential systems uh, of solar panels is SunPower, but they manufacture everything overseas, um, almost everything. So I predict that in uh, 2015, SunPower is going to announce plans to build a manufacturing plant in the U.S. and they they already do the most of their manufacturing in the Philippines, in Malaysia. They manufacture cells in Taiwan and some other locations. They have a small manufacturing plant of modules in Milpitas. But I see the demand for made-in-the-USA product increasing, mainly because of the tariff that's being placed on modules from modules and cells from Taiwan and China. And in order to kind of keep up with that um, emphasis and, and not be um, closed out from homeowners who really want something made in the USA, they're going to need a, a plant in the U.S. And, and right now, in terms of U.S. manufacturers, the biggest one is SolarWorld. Um, Ceneva also has uh, a cell plant and a small module plant, um, I think in North Carolina or Georgia. 
Um, Solar City, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, building a giga factory, so they plan on making a lot of panels. And then you've got a bunch of other smaller companies like Oxen, which is based right here in San Jose, Helios, and a few others that are making panels here. So the the trend is going to be towards domestically made panels and um, panels that are going to be more cost-effective. And historically, the problem has been that um, some of these made-in-the-USA modules were very, very expensive because they really didn't optimize it for uh, domestic production. But there's there's ways around that, and certainly companies like Oxen have proven that they can make them inexpensively. And many residential and commercial customers are willing to pay a slight premium for domestic production. And this is something that we've seen really happen with Cinnamon Solar, that uh, customers are willing to say, you know, hey, I'd like to get something made in the USA. It's great that we're supporting the installation jobs here, but they're looking for solar modules that are made in the USA. And they'll, they'll pay a little bit more. I mean, not a lot, 100 bucks, $200, $500 for a system, certainly not $5,000 more for a system. But a little bit makes sense, and I think SunPower is going to finally recognize that and uh, put a domestic plan in place. Prediction number three, I predict reluctantly that there's not going to be an extension of the 30% investment tax credit in 2015. Now, this tax credit expires at the end of 2016, and you know, every industry, solar industry, is, is, is um, not unusual in this regard, that they want to make sure that there's an unbroken stream of, of good business, and they're not going to want to um, allow it, it, us to get to the end of 2016 before this tax credit's resumed, if, if that's what's possible. But I think with the GOP-dominated political landscape that's out there, with the presidential elections heating up and dominating the dialogue in 2015 and certainly in 2016, I'm not optimistic that um, in 2015 the tax credit's going to be extended. Um, I, I do think it's going to happen in 2016, but not in 2015. Now, it's really important to note that this tax credit, there's two parts to it. There's the, the residential part of the tax credit, which goes to zero. Um, so homeowners get zero tax credit on uh, January 1st, 2017. And commercial owners of systems continue to get a 10% tax credit. Um, so the, the tax credit goes away for residential, and it stays in place for commercial. And you know, as, as someone who's been selling solar for, for over a dozen years, and, and certainly um, you know, I, I've seen how effectively the ITC has been um, here in California and many other states, it's the swing factor for homeowners. That extra 30% makes a really big difference. And, and when we go from 30% to zero on January 1st, 2017, it's dramatically going to slow down sales for customer-owned systems. Now, there's a, there's a flip side to that. And the flip side is that the business is going to grow pretty robustly as far as residential installations in 2015 and 2016. And as I mentioned, this drop isn't going to be as precipitous for commercial and utility systems because these systems still get the 10% tax credit. It doesn't go to zero. And they also get accelerated depreciation. So they're going to still end up with some pretty hefty tax benefits. But the residential homeowners um, are going to uh, get zero. Next prediction, number four. The, um, the Republican-dominated Congress are going to make fringe efforts to sideline renewables. They're going to try and slow down renewables, slow down solar, slow down wind, things like that, and promote more fossil fuels. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, a, a lot of these laws have been put in place, and they're actually working pretty well. Um, and uh, we're not going to see any significant success in overturning some of the key environmental policies that have really uh, helped renewables and also uh, 
helped our uh, helped our environment in terms of cutting back on the use of fossil fuels, the, the corporate average fuel economy standards, the the cap and trade rules that are out, um, a lot of the uh, the greenhouse gas emission limitations. They're they're very very significant, and they they also. Interestingly, I don't think they've really been a job killer. In fact, in many regards, they've been a, a job job creator. Yes, the coal industry has gone downhill, um, but the renewables industry, the solar industry, um, employs more people than coal miners. Um, it's just it's just kind of kind of shifted. The other thing is that conservatives like to promote energy independence, and and um, they also like to lobby for jobs and strive to reduce people's energy costs. And a lot of these renewables, particularly solar, um, are very very good in terms of energy independence. And homeowners love having panels on the roof, and they don't have to pay the utility. They're great for jobs. Um, probably close to 200,000 solar jobs in the U.S., and they're, they're obviously working great in terms of reducing energy costs. And the other factor, just think back to the dialogue about renewables, solar, and, and uh, oil and gas, is you know in the last few presidential elections, there's been a really big push away from renewables. You know, we don't want solar. We want to drill, baby, drill. Well, the, the oil and gas prices, especially oil prices, are so low now that the, the jobs are, are not increasing in the oil and gas industry. They're de- decreasing simply because of supply and demand. There's an excess of supply of oil and gas, and the companies that have been drilling for these, uh, these materials are finding that they can't effectively sell um, oil at $50 a barrel if uh, it's costing them $70 a barrel to extract it from the ground. So there's not going to be a really big push in the in the coming elections as long as oil prices stay down. For drilling more, I think there's going to be much 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 bigger push for uh, renewables. And as I mentioned, the, the renewables uh, provide so many more jobs and it's such a good growing business that Republicans aren't going to want to be against them because uh, there's so many people, A, who have solar and there's so many people who are looking forward to the job growth that it can create. Okay, prediction number five. It's interesting to see what's happening around the world in terms of what utilities are doing as they focus on renewables, solar, and battery storage, and they see how that conflicts with their existing fossil fuel generation. So my prediction is a big U.S. utility, I don't know who it's going to be, is going to create a standalone division profit center that's focused on solar, renewables, battery storage, and and grid operation. And they're going to separate that from their existing fossil fuel um, and nuclear plants. And, and this, this is, um, happen, hasn't happened yet in the U.S., but it's happened in Germany already. E.ON, which is Germany's largest utility, announced plans to sell their fossil fuel and nuclear plants. This is, this is what built their business. They're going to sell the plants and keep their renewables business. They own a lot of solar plants and keep their distribution system. RWE, which is, I think, the second biggest utility in Germany, has made a similar announcement. Why has this happened? Well, First of all, there's a lot of solar renewables in Germany. Second, because there's so much of those, the profitability of uh, generating power from fossil fuels is less. And third, they see the writing on the wall that uh, the, the future growth of power, of power plant business is not going to be by burning fossil fuels or it's not going to be by nuclear. Now, here in the U.S., some utilities are already kind of talking about that. Um, there's a, a utility uh, holding company called NRG that's already started to build a pretty good collection of renewable energy assets, but they're also continuing to expand their fossil generation capacity. So they're kind of doing both. And that might make sense to do. But having both the fossil fuel generation assets and distributed generation and solar assets under the same corporate structure creates these internal culture classes um, that are hard to overcome. And especially they create these uh, 
policy conflicts, external policy conflicts. Yeah. What does the utility lobby for in Washington? Do they lobby for fossil fuels or do they lobby for solar? And really nobody's lobbying for both. And for a utility to divest their fossil fuel assets and focus just on renewables, it allows them to really focus on policies that are going to help those renewables. Uh, and this is, this is kind of not unusual if you look at what um, uh, business unit portfolio planning usually does. And this is where you're kind of looking at the, li- the different businesses that you have under one roof. You want to sell the bad assets, the things that are going to kind of be doomed. So sell the fossil fuel assets. Um, the distribution assets, those are the utility wires, the, the transformers, um, possibly future storage things, you might want to hold on to that because it's still going to be valuable. You're going to, somebody's going to need to operate that. And then you're going to want to continue to invest more aggressively in clean energy generation uh, technologies. And, and that's, I think, what uh, certainly what the German utilities have done. And we're going to start to see some utilities here in the U.S. Um, make those initiatives. Prediction number six, small installers. These are the little guys. These are little guys like Cinnamon Solar, you know, to, uh, to two trucks and a, a fairly small crew, crews in local areas. These small installers are going to gain market share, not because they're going to get big, but because there's going to be more and more small local installers. And, and there's been a little bit of a consolidation trend in the residential solar industry over the last five years. Um, towards bigger companies really dominating. And, you know, you've got the, the big guys like Solar City and Vivint. They've, they've really done great in terms of building market share. But the, the key reason why they've been growing so fast is they've had financing when the little guys didn't really have financing. And the financing has, has um, become not as much of a critical factor anymore. So what, what I'm seeing happening is the, what I think is going to happen is the small installers who provide good local service are going to thrive in a lot of the existing markets like Hawaii, like California, Arizona, um, some of the markets on the East Coast. They're also always going to be the first to enter new markets. You know, new uh, incentives come on board in a particular state. You're going to have the little guys get started there. And and one of the key factors that, that's, um, that, that used to be really pushing the big installers forward was this lease and PPA financing. That's no longer the key to residential sales. As I mentioned a few times on the show here, here at Cinnamon Solar, we're, we're not using those at all. People have home equity or they have cash. The prices of solar have become so low right now that it's not even um, necessary for them to lease it. I mean, you don't, if you're uh, putting a, if you're redoing your kitchen, you don't kind of lease the, re, the uh, renovation of your kitchen. Well, solar actually costs a hell of a lot less than that. And these loans, these PACE financing techniques, property-assessed clean energy, they're, they're available, and cash purchases are widely available. So these, these local installers are going to do better than they have over the last five years. And it's also going to benefit um, homeowners because typically the pricing you get from a, a smaller local installer is lower. And it's also going to benefit the traditional solar distributors. These are the companies that sell hardware and software to solar and uh, sol- solar installers. Um, and, and the distributors provide a very important function in the industry. A little guy, and this is what we do at Cinnamon Solar, just because it's so cost effective. We sell a system, we get the permit, and, and about the same time we're getting the permit, we place an order for the panels, the inverters, the racking, the wiring, everything we need. And about the same time we're ready to start the project, all this equipment arrives on a couple of pallets, and then boom, we go right right out to the job. We don't really need a whole warehousing system, back office, purchasing department, logistics, supply chain. It's just uh, ordered on the internet, um, shop around for for the best pricing, get it delivered to our warehouse, and then we can um, be out to the homeowner's house a couple days later. So distributors are going to benefit from this shift in market share also. 
Uh, prediction number seven, there's going to be a lot of pricing pressure on, on balance of system suppliers. In the solar industry, balance of system is, is what we refer to as the inverters, as the racking, as the roof mounts. There used to be a lot of pressure on the solar panels. Well, that, that's been almost completely commoditized right now. Um, and now the pressure to reduce cost is going to be on this balance of system. There's also more of these suppliers. So there's a lot more suppliers of inverters now than there were 10 years ago or even five years ago. There's a lot of microinverter suppliers. There's multiple suppliers of optimizers. There's lots and lots of companies selling racking and mounting components. And there's really not a lot of difference among these components. And, and, and as a result, what happens is the pricing all kind of keeps going down and down and down until the profits are squeezed. So um, this pricing pressure is going to mean that these companies are going to have to find a way to survive in a more lean environment, uh, which is okay. Um, certainly the pricing pressure is going to mean that homeowners are going to get better deals on things. And it's also going to mean that there's going to be some shifts in ownership of these companies. Um, the mergers and acquisitions activity in this segment is also going to heat up. I, I predict along these lines that one of the major inverter companies and one of the major racking companies is going to be acquired or, or sold because the combination is going to make more sense than operating them on a standalone basis. So, okay, prediction number eight. The prediction is Congress is going to launch a formal investigation into alleged unfair consumer practices, unfair consumer credit practices in the solar industry. Now, when someone's, uh, when you've got a solar salesperson um, sitting at your dining room table or kitchen table talking about solar, whether it's a cash purchase or a lease or a PPA or a loan, you know how salesmen are or salespeople are. There's sometimes a, a motivation to exaggerate. And this doesn't happen at all companies. Companies can kind of create a very restricted set of procedures and, and printouts and, and formulas and, and PowerPoints that are kind of kind of keep the numbers very straight and narrow. But then sometimes other companies are going to be a little bit aggressive to, to try and close the sale. And the sales, salesman may be a little bit rogue and he may be out there and saying, hey, you know, the savings is a lot more than what you really think, or the system's going to put out 50% more power than a comparable system from a another company. And and um, so that exaggeration makes it more compelling for the homeowner to buy, but it may, in many cases, not really be true. It's just not mathematically the case. The homeowner's not really going to see those savings, and then you end up with some very unhappy homeowners. So w- what happens is when you look at the return on investment for a rooftop solar system, almost all of the key variables that determine how much money you're going to save are, um, are difficult to quantify and very easy to tilt in favor of closing a sale. Um, you can exaggerate how much faster the utility rates are going to increase. And by the way, here at Cinnamon Solar, we assume zero. Not because we think it's going to be zero, but we'd rather be conservative. But I've seen estimates as high as 7% or more per year of utility rate increases. And let's just say, for sake of arguments, that's a little bit aggressive. They may exaggerate about the, the increase in the resale value of a home. Now, there's been studies that, that show exactly what that's going to be if it's a if it's an owned homeowner owned system but that resale value may not be the same it may actually um, not be in existence at all if it's uh, a third-party owned system if it's a lease system so that may not increase the resale value of your home but then again um, the salesman may may say it will Uh, maintenance cost Um, sometimes a, a salesman may say there's really high maintenance costs with these systems and by the way our offering includes all maintenance well the reality is there's 
effectively zero maintenance costs for for solar systems as far as what I've seen, um, except for maybe a repair of an inverter every 10 or 20 years and then of, and then um, the replacement of a roof every 20 or 30 years. So maintenance costs very, very low. The equipment's all guaranteed and the, the responsible manufacturers take care of that. Um, there, there may be exaggerations about payment escalations, um, performance degradation. Some, some uh, salespeople may say, hey, you know, you're, you're, these panels are not going to degrade in performance at all. Um, and that's not going to be the case. And even system output. Um, they may underestimate the amount of shading. They may, they may overestimate the amount of solar that's generated. So it's all difficult to quantify, easy to tilt in favor of the sale. And um, it ends up misleading homeowners. So I think there's going to be an investigation that's going to be launched. And I think what may end up happening is anytime there's a some kind of credit that's sold as part of a solar system, there's going to be some regulations on that. And that's why when you buy uh, a car, you lease a car, or if you um, uh, get it, buy a house and there's a mortgage involved, when you lease a car, there's a, there's a leasing specialist. You sit down with the financing guy and it's a financing office in the dealership. And you get a, a special mortgage broker when you're borrowing for a house. So um, that's... that's um, no different than what should happen in the solar industry if it's financed. Prediction number nine. Um, as, as I mentioned, there's new tariffs on Chinese and Taiwanese solar products. Um, but I think um, that those tariffs are going to do little to improve the profit margins for some of the big U.S. module manufacturers. The cells are commodities. They're being manufactured to scale all over the world. Um, the module manufacturing is fairly easy to ramp up in different locations. So you, if, if the module companies can't manufacture in China or Taiwan, they'll manufacture in Mexico or Malaysia. Um, pricing is going to go up a little bit for modules, but it's going to, I think, start resuming a downward path. And as far as U.S. manufacturers, there's two really good paths to reduce costs. Um, one is to have a very low overhead operation, just operate very efficiently. Um, and then the second is to focus on differentiated products, products that are special in some way, products that can command a premium price in the market because they're better for the installer or the homeowner in some regard. And my final prediction, number 10, is that there's going to be a little bit of a disruption in the um, California rooftop installation business in the first six months of 2015 because there are new California rooftop fire codes that go into effect on January 1st, 2015. There's going to be a shortage of modules and, and racking systems that comply with these new requirements. The, the module manufacturers and the racking companies are going to be scrambling, working very, very aggressively to develop products and to certify the products. So you need a certification, a stamp that says these are class A certified modules or systems. Now, not every roof requires this, only roofs that are in uh, special fire zones, but there's more and more of those happening. The inspectors are going to stick to their guns and say, hey, I really want to see, I want to see these requirements if it's required in that jurisdiction. And by the way, these requirements have been out there for over a year. And the, the installers are going to kind of scramble to find the right products that meet these uh, new requirements. And there's, there's really, it's difficult, but the, the way to achieve compliance with this new regulation is pretty straightforward. You've got to use a, a type 1 or type 2 module. You have to have special racking systems with a front edge deflector, or you have to have some kind of integrated module racking system that's been fire tested together. So it's all achievable and doable, but um, these, these new requirements are going to throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into the California market for the first uh, few months of the year as everybody scrambles and tries to find a way to become compliant. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to our listeners for joining us today. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. 